Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, post-Sunday podcasters? This is your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra, along with our host as well, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. What is up, my man? Another week. It's hurricane week. Oh. (laughs) Saddle (laughs) up. in Central Florida. Saddle up. This is the weird time of year. You know why? Because we might get a hurricane. We might not. We we never know if they're telling us the truth. And... For all the ner- northern snowbirds that come <laughs> down, this know. is what I hear. I love hurricanes because it's like snow days. And then I try to tell them, snow days don't kill people and cause damage. <laughs> <laughs> but we get out of school. We yep. get to kind of hang out at no. home. I said, that's sheltering from like not yeah. a storm that you're going to go play outside in later. That is yeah. sheltering no, from exactly. harm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in a snow day and that's a lot more fun than, than this. You know, <laughs> you're hearing creaking and cracking and gusts of winds and your kids are panicking every every moment a gust hits. But um, but yeah, no, it's 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 that time of season, man. Brace yourselves. Because episode 35 is on. Like a hurricane. Like a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, man. What a segue. This New Testament is is coming in super strong with gusts of over 100 miles an hour. But it is, uh, we're loving it. Keep on all day for all those listening. This takes skill, man. It takes a lot of of skill. But uh, we're excited. We're excited for what's happening here at the Post Sunday Podcast. Excited for what's happening just across uh, Genesis Church, Orlando. If you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to the pod. We're excited to have you joining us. We uh, tag along right on, right out, right alongside Genesis Church, Orlando. We're doing a year-long Bible series, pretty much. It's called A Never-Ending Story. And we have gone from literally January 1 all the way till... Uh, till the end of this year, we're going through Genesis one all the way all the way to Revelation. So, it is uh, an exciting journey that we're in. We just went or, or came into the New Testament here in the last few weeks, and uh, Pastor Tim has just been really uh, hitting home runs, man, when it comes to really bringing Jesus to the picture and breaking down. Uh, last week, talking about his baptism, talking about uh, his temptations. And this week, we're going to go right alongside and continue um, that in Matthew 4, um, chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, where we'll be discussing today um, Jesus and his call to his disciples. And so we're looking forward to that and what we um, what he spoke on yesterday, uh, our Sunday messages, which, by the way, they, we air live to you guys. Facebook, YouTube, Genesis Church Orlando. You can find us there. We go live 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Join us. Let that be uh, our, in, our introduction to you online there. But anyways, before we get started, guys, we love to launch uh, what we call our PSPQ question of the week. And so uh, we got our man Stanton doing producer today. What is going on, my man? Everything's good in the hood. Yes. It was all a dream. I said that just because Johnny's wearing the beautiful Biggie Smalls t-shirt. It's repping a little bit. That's very retro, very classic. Very but you said that with teacher. as little soul as one possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me try it again. Let me try it again. It was all a dream. Yes. There you go. That might be a little better than what you just did. Well, I'm a little white, so I can't really put some just, soul Just a it. little. <laughs> just a little white. We love Stan, man. And I love y'all, too. But anyways, enough with me. Let's get to the question. Let's go. Time now for Pastor Johnny and Pastor Tim to drop that spiritual knowledge on you. This is the PSP question of the day. It is the PSPQ question of the day that never gets old. I love that sound. It 
It's made by me for this podcast alone. Copyright is mine. So if I ever hear that, I want royalties. <laughs> so anyway, we got a question here. It was actually an email that was sent from us. They write in, first off, I want to say that this person loves the podcast and loves to listen pretty much every single week. Let's yes. go. So we have an avid listener. That's great. Along with our other millions that we don't know about, but we'll find out shortly in the future. But the question is, however, my older son believes everything about Jesus, the Gospels, the Old Testament, and all of, and all of it. But his argument is that the translation from Hebrew and Greek and Latin, whatever else is not accurate, there have been too many discrepancies over the centuries and the translations, and therefore he questions the authenticity of God's word and has been translated and interpreted correctly. Can you please possibly shed some light on the Christian apologetic for Bible translation? Thank you, guys. God bless you guys. We love you guys, and we see the authenticity at Genesis Church and the people and the pastors and the message from God. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's a load. That is amazing. So I'm gonna let you take this one. You got it? Because this I'm question is like a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you got your seatbelt on? Like post-Sunday, uh, the, the encore. Theology. Post-Sunday <laughs> podcast theology version. So um, you want me to go with this? Yeah, man. All right. So it. here's what I'm going to say about this question. Um, and I'm going to try to summarize it quickly, but without, you know, uh, just losing the 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 picture of what we need to create here. Um, when it comes to the Bible, as we say often, real people, real places, real time, there are near uh, no scholars, historians that refute that reality of the writings of the Bible. There, as we said, so therefore the argument becomes the supernatural, the miraculous, the divinity, all those things within it. But the people existed and the places exist. Some of them still exist today. Um, in the times that they were writing in and people would say, well, then how do we know this? Because there are other writings as well. So you have the writings of Josephus. And um, I think that there's somewhere, and I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think it's like there are nine different recorded writings of Josephus. However, every historian uses him as an accurate writer of the events happening and he was writing during the time of Jesus. So he's not in the Bible and he's not one who was chosen to write a book within the Bible from God, but he's someone who had writings that they have found and discovered that still talk about this man named Jesus. When it comes to the Bible as a whole, first of all, all authority is God breathed. You know, we, we understand this, but the reality is that when you look at the Bible, and you look at everything else you learn in life. So for anyone that discounts it or tries to poke a hole at in it or tries to disbelieve the translations, how we got them, all that, I understand the questions. They're, they're questions I've asked myself, and that's why I've been forced to study that. The reality is many of the things that you learn in college, you learn in high school through historical writings and so forth, they don't compare to the amount of manuscripts that we have from the Bible. So you take like Homer's Iliad. I think there's something like 600 and some written manuscripts throughout history that they have discovered. That is something that is taught in, in philosophy or whatever within even universities. And we only have 600 manuscripts. They have over 5,000 manuscripts of the Bible throughout history. Wow. So it's not even comp comparable. When it comes to the translation differences, what you begin to realize is that there's something called variables and variables are what, you know, those are the things that are different. Most of the variables are spelling. That's it. There's a very small, like if you were to look at a pie chart, a very small sliver of things that, that you may be able to sit down and go, okay, that, that makes something mean something a little bit different, yeah. but it's so minute. It doesn't compare to the others. I know that historically, I was reading this just the other day, um, they studied that uh, the Phoenicians, when they wrote on the Egyptian uh, and the pyramids and the tombs and stuff like that, when they would draw these pictures that would tell a story, many of them were telling the exact same story, but they had different nuances in the pictures, mm -hmm. right? Didn't mean the story 
wasn't being told the same story. It just had different nuances. And so that's something even back in, in those types of days when things were being done and written and recorded and drawn on, on the walls of pyramids, there are always little nuances. So when you get the gospels and you get four different writers talking about Jesus and they've all been there in the setting, they're all going to kind of have their take on what they remember, but they're all remembering the same thing. That's the important part. And when it comes to the Hebrew, the Greek and all that, I do agree. There have been moments where we have lost the nuances of what it truly means. Because instead of looking at it in its original language, we take it at face value and therefore we, we, uh, we kind of summarize or assume that it means something that maybe it, it does, but it doesn't quite mean that it means something else. Mm-hmm. Henceforth, what we'll learn even today, but you talk about, we just learned this as a staff last week. When, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the exact same thing. Yeah. That word heaven was synonymous for the word, for the name of God. Therefore, the writer in one gospel is not talking about someplace above the clouds while one is talking about a person. Yeah. They're talking about the exact same thing. And so it takes time to study. It's why you need to be in front of someone who is learning the word of God, that is studying the word of God, that you can trust is whole upholding the word of God. As pastors, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But we know that not all do. Just like in the Bible, not all Priests, not all prophets, not all uh, religious leaders were doing what God wanted them and intended them to do. Some were manipulating and twisting the scriptures. And so some do today. But I would end with this, and I know this is kind of a prolonged answer. Um, I think one of the coolest things is that back in the 1940s, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they found them because uh, a young boy was trying to, uh, I think it was retrieve like one of his sheep out of a a well that he had dropped in. So he drops a rock in it and he hears a crash. And that crash is the rock breaks a pot. And so when they pull the pot out, they begin to find these, these scrolls and these fragments of scrolls. I think there's something like 15,000 pieces of it, right? And they're all written from somewhere between the first and third century. So from the time, somewhere near the time of Jesus right after. And here are these manuscripts that they found that are some of the oldest that, that they're preserved in the museum at Israel they match verbatim like this, the book of Isaiah that we have today. Wow. So you take the book that we have right now and you go, well, I don't know if it's true. And you go all the way back and find a scroll in the first century that was written from the book of Isaiah and it matches it perfectly. Wow. And so for those that really want to disbelieve it, you're just choosing to because I can give you all types of evidence without just saying because it's God's word, it's true that it actually exists and it actually is historical in what it is writing. Once again, you're forced to choose not in how it's been translated. You're forced to choose. Do I believe what is being written and handed over to me and down to me through the generations? Yeah. The context is the same. Yes. Right. And so that's, that's great, man. Hope that answers your question there. But we could do that for a long time. Oh, <laughs> and that's where the nerd in you uh, yes. really arises. And so <laughs> you, one day, that's your thing. One man. day we're going to have a live Q&A six hour oh, man. marathon Sunday podcast <laughs> marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to hunker uh, down in yeah. here and just go <laughs> for it. Yeah. 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 Energy drinks and all, man. We're just Chad gonna... will go on vacation that week. <laughs> <laughs> and disappear you will and all of our avid listeners will lock in <laughs> wherever they're at oh that's awesome that's awesome well let's get right to it episode 35 we are on matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through uh 22 uh but i loved i loved uh just how you really began this um you opened it up with what i honestly is really coinciding with um because I'll have the opportunity to speak next week, and uh, this is this is there's a word in here that really brought my attention. But it said, "When you truly encounter Jesus, He will disrupt your way of living." Um, that is facts. Uh, there is there's as you begin to study the life, we we're, we're seeing a trajectory here in the, in the life of Jesus. We're seeing all the things that He's doing out of obedience, right? And now I think this is a transitional point now for his ministry. Now it's, you've seen what I can do. Now the ball is on your court now. I'm, or at least I'm putting it there for you. Now it's your time to decide 
um, what you want to do. And essentially, this is kind of what this is in a sense. It's, it's calling out uh, these disciples. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, you, you take that statement and it is just as real in the Bible as it is right now. Yeah. And that is not, um, everything is spiritual. So let's, let's claim that first. All right. Um, that is not just because I'm a believer in yeah. Jesus, just as many non-believers, he disrupts their life. Mm. Look at news, look at different countries, look at different, uh, uh, Instances where someone may or may not be preaching on the street or protesting and someone gets angry and mad. How is this man named Jesus? How does he still bring this much change to some people's life and this much much hatred to someone else's life? I mean, he disrupts everyone's life and he has been since he came to earth. (laughs) The Bible's the most read and bought purchased book of all time. Uh, There are more, I I learned this a year ago, there are more songs recorded and written in music history that reference or talk about Jesus than any other thing. So forget the genre. His name has come up in more music than any other person, thing, circumstance, situation, whatever it is, throughout time. So like, how is this one person this volatile or this received by some? Because that's what Jesus does. He totally disrupted everything. It is proof that when he arrived, he disrupted the way of the world. He, he disrupted the sin and brokenness because when Jesus arrived, he showed up to redeem it all. Therefore, at that moment, it was, look at what we see in Scripture. Some followed him. Some wanted to kill him. Today, some truly follow him. Some people don't even want you to speak about him. They don't want you to pray about him. They're, I'm watching a video last night where a mom wants to pray at a school board meeting, and they arrest her. This is not the place. This cannot happen here. She begins praying, you know, and uh, and so they they have the officers come take her out. I mean, if he's not real, and it's all fiction, then why do you care? Right? Because that's the world's message. Let me do what I want to do. It shouldn't bother you at all. Okay, then let me follow Jesus and believe in him with everything I got. You shouldn't get so mad and upset about it. Mm. But he disrupts. He He is always disrupted, and he does. And when you encounter him, oh, then your life is really disrupted because you have to now, you have to decide, will I bend a knee? Mm. That's the reality. (laughs) And uh, something that we've just been phrasing so much, and it's the reality of it. Bible was written by at real people in real places at real times. And so here we are taking a, a, a kind of a first-hand glance at um, Jesus' call. Uh, but I love how you really kind of began this understanding of, of what a rabbi's role looked like, right? Because you just didn't... You know, I think for for many years, uh, for me at least, it was very intriguing or just very thought provoking, um, and, and and you questioned the um, how quickly people people came to follow Jesus, specific, specifically the disciples. Yeah, how do you? How does one just leave their current state? And just begin to follow this guy. Well, you talked about that. You talked about what a rabbi's role and how that looked like. You said a rabbi's yoke equaled their interpretation. Talk to us a little bit about that yeah. and, and how you were preparing. So this is that piece fall, where fall, if follow. you struggle with the Bible, the, the question of the student yeah, from the original language, let's take you into the original people. As far as we can. Now, I'm going to say this. What I spoke on and what we're going to discuss here today, I learned, I think I was trying to to remind myself or or remember the other day, somewhere around like 18 years ago, I remember listening to a few teachers begin to teach this. And growing up in church, having a dad who's a pastor, having a grandfather who's a pastor, I've learned a lot of Bible in my life. But I had never seen it this way. And I remember inside, like, this fire began to burn, like, oh, my goodness. 
I've never seen that. I've never heard that. As much Bible as I've heard, I went to a Christian school, a Christian university. I've grown up in pastors' homes. Like, like I've never seen it that way. Like you just said, that starts to answer a lot of questions just on the verbiage in the Bible that I don't always understand. So we know that Jesus is a rabbi in Scripture because it tells us so. Yeah. It tells us in the Gospels, they call him rabbi. rabbi. Yep. Uh, it tells us at the end of Matthew chapter 7, right, within the Sermon on the Mount, that they were the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. So they're astonished at his teaching. They call him rabbi. It shows us that this is what he was doing and who he was. The thing about a rabbi was you had to get your authority from another rabbi. So they were astonished at his teaching as one who had authority, right? So whatever he's teaching is disrupting because it's astonishing and the crowds are coming and they want to hear it because in essence, I can't wait for you to, to preach this Sunday. It's a new interpretation they're not used to, right? So this is what you begin to find out that, that he's walking around with his interpretation. His inter an interpretation was called a yoke. So when Jesus is, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and light. He's talking about his interpretation as a rabbi and a teacher. So it's not just the, the physical yoke like we have hanging in our ministry center on the wall that we had a guy handcraft for us just to think about the yoke of God on your life. He's using the terminology that they understand as a teacher rabbi for the students. And so, by the way, he gets his authority in Matthew chapter 3, this is part of the baptism that people don't understand because a rabbi would have to speak authority over you. What happens in the baptism of Jesus? The heavens are departed. The spirit comes down to sin, and then God speaks over him. This is my beloved son. And that moment, he's affirming and giving him his authority in whom I am well pleased. He's good at what he's about to do, right? And so there's the picture of where he gets his authority. Later on his last week, He'll be trapped by some religious leaders and they will ask him, where did you get your authority? Because they're still trying to figure it out. We know John got his here, John the Baptist. Where did you get yours? So all these moments are showing he's playing the role of rabbi teacher. Wow. And he has an interpretation. That's good. Woo. Today hey, we're going to go next level. Man. Today we're going to unpack some stuff we didn't yesterday. <laughs> I didn't have enough time. You did it. You uh, did it. You two were talking earlier uh, before the show, and you were just like, "Man, I didn't even look at my notes." This is something that I've just, I've, I've just, you've studied for for so long, and you're so passionate about, and you could just see that energy and intensity. Uh, in the message, and it was, yeah, I mean, you barely looked arrogantly. at your notes, man. Not <laughs> arrogantly. I don't <laughs> yeah. mean it that way. Like, no, I, you... I don't want to be clear on that. Just when you've learned it and it now is in you. Yeah. Like, I couldn't wait to get it out. And mm. I don't know how it resonated with other people. My my prayer was just that all of a sudden, like, your eyes would go, oh, that makes sense now. Like, that put a whole new ring to it. So when we talk about the educational system, of their time, you know, and, uh, and I can give you multiple resources of where I've studied this from now. Um, it, it brings to life the reality of how a student would make their way through the education system and the reality. First of all, I'm always dumbfounded still to this day, even when I speak it out of my mouth that at an early age, they would memorize the, the Torah, the first five books Crazy. of the Bible. Like, just, just. You said that about nine years old, right? Like, like from somewhere between six and ten, by the age of ten. Oof. So, like, what would it be to set wow. a goal this year? Yeah. To memorize Genesis. Could you do that in one year? Could you actually memorize in the entire book? As 50, 50, 50 some chapters. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like. About a chapter a week. Yeah. Memorize it. Now, I know a guy that does this type of stuff, and for him, and this is how he's wired, you know, some people are not, he runs, like Chad does, you know, miles a day, and he runs to an audio Bible, and then he sets it on a chapter, and he just lets it go on repeat every day while he's running, Wow, and that helps him just memorize it. So th that, that part's just very uh, convicting 
I want to know as much scripture as I possibly can. I want to be able to help people understand the stories of God as much as I can. But personally, too, how much of God's word have I hidden in my heart? Mm. Right? That's, that's the reality of it. And so when you start to learn that these kids at some point, you know, like every kid, some are high achievers and some are not. And so they weren't degrading children by saying, hey, listen, you don't get to go to the next level, mm-hmm. right? It was cultural for them to say, hey, look, now you go do this, you go do that, you know? And so go pick up your family trade, go go learn how to be a mother from your, your mom and in, in, in that sense. And so, um, but when you look at that reality of like, only the best go to the next level and then only the, be- only the best go to the next level. Um, for any child, when you are trying to achieve and if you don't make the cut, you know how that feels, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you know what that feels like when you don't feel like you're good enough or you're, you're insecure that, that, that those around you are much better at what you do than you are. Yeah. No, it's, it's the truth. And um, they put them through that, you know, um, but you mentioned like with that discipleship and and for that student, it, it, it wasn't enough to know what the che- teacher knew, you know, in regards to, wanting to become a rabbi or seeking to grow in um, in this type of uh, area in their life and that call uh, a student or disciple wanted to do what the teacher did right at that time it yeah. was it was come follow me yeah you know do as I do um, not as just I say but do as I do and you're yeah, so a rabbi had an interpretation so a student would want to learn that interpretation and I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it. I'm trying to make it understandable when I say, you know, it's like, it's like choosing a coach of a, of a certain team or club yeah. team, you know, what he brings or what offense he, he runs or whatever scheme he sets up. And so you're like, I want my kid or I want to go play for that coach type of a deal, right? You're still all playing the same game. So when we say interpretation, it doesn't mean that they were twisting the scriptures and they were falsely teaching them. That has been done and that is being done today because that's why some who disbelieve say, well, I, 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 there's so many different interpretations, you know, of stuff. Um, there's different ways of teaching things. However, there is false teaching. There's a big difference that you have to discern from and be able to recognize. But for a rabbi, they just had a different interpretation. So one may lean more into helping the widow while, while one may lean more into helping the orphan. They both probably helped both of them. It's just one had maybe more of compassion or passion for this one. Let's just use that as an example. And so you'd be like, you know what? I align with that. Like that. That's where I see myself going. It would be a little bit like church denominations, but I don't think quite to that. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm Baptist. Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm Pentecostal. Hey, I'm I'm uh, you know non-denominational. You, you're finding a way in which you align, and. For most people, they're hoping we're all going in the same direction, right? Yeah. Towards the same mission and the same purpose. That's why we're non-denominational at Genesis because we have people from every denomination and we talk about the fact that we focus on the most important thing, God's story, what Jesus came to do and what Jesus is sending us to do. Mm. Everything else is not um, unimportant, but it's minimal. So we have our beliefs and our understanding and our interpretation of them. And you may not agree with all of them, but they're not going to stop us from the mission and purpose that we know that the gospel of Jesus takes us on. And so you would pick a rabbi and you would align yourself with them. However, that didn't mean you got to follow them. Mm. The rabbi got to look at you and, and figure out, does this kid have what it takes to be really on my team and to be in my school? To, to learn what I'm about to teach. And it wasn't just what I'm about to teach. Can they do what I do? So here's, uh, maybe we'll jump the gun, but we're connecting dots all day, right? For a rabbi, your ultimate goal was to say, come follow me and then go do what I do. That would be like a graduation ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you believe they can do what you do and they can carry it on when you're not here, when you pass away. Jesus shows up. He tells 12 guys, come follow me. By the way, the 12 guys are a, we talk about symmetry, are a symbol of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
That's why he selects 12. For those who are wondering why 12, <laughs> why not 13 or whatever, 12 tribes of Israel, I'm going to faithfully fulfill my promise through them. These 12 disciples, I'm going to faithfully fulfill the new covenant through them. Um, but Jesus shows up, come follow me at the beginning of Matthew. And at the end of Matthew, what do we get? We call it the Great Commission. What does he say? Go. Yeah. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go do what I do. So for three years, you're going to be my students. I'm going to be your rabbi teacher. And then I'm going to tell you to go. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going away. So go spread my yoke. Go spread my interpretation to the whole world. And then I'm going to come back and collect all those in whom have received that message. That's powerful, man. Wow. That's, that's how it was, man. And so to get come back a little bit, Matthew 4, this is the actual call itself. While, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. I will make you fishermen, fishers of men. Um, man, it just it shows you, like, God is um, he's not a respecter of man. He can use whoever he wants. That's the beauty of when you understand the back side of the story, when you understand the culture and the context, when you can look at it through um, the eyes of the Hebrew people. So here's what I want to clear up real quick. I think this goes back to the question that was asked on the for the PSPQ. Yeah. This goes towards the interpretation idea of a rabbi. Um, I get this question a lot from Christians today. They will come up to me and they will ask a question like this. Are you more Calvin or are you more Luther? So what they're talking about is, are you more like John Calvin and his teachings? Or are you more like Martin Luther and his teachings? You might hear someone say, I'm more reformed or I'm more evangelical. You know, all these types of Christianese terminology that we use. What we're truly saying is, I started studying the teachings of John Calvin and I really started resonating with those interpretations of what it meant to be a Christ follower. I started studying the writings of Martin Luther and I really resonate with with what he did and his 99 thesis and the things he did for for all believers today. Here's what I've come to. I, I like truth from all of them, right? But those guys show up at a certain point in church history. Truly history. We call it church history because they're some of the church forefathers, right? I want to go all the way back as far as I can. I don't want to stop just a couple thousand years back. I want to go all the way back to Jesus. I want to go all the way back to Genesis. I want to go all the way back to the people of God. So I love studying the Jewish perspective of Scripture. I have... Uh, friends and acquaintances that are Messianic Jews, so they're Jews who believe Jesus is the Messiah, um, who have resourced me with materials and things like that, because I want to know in context what they know. Mm. It's so easy for us to read something and put our own context to it. True. And, and so you would know this, you know, if, if I was to say, let's go to Puerto Rico together, yeah. you would say, well, when we go, you need to know this about my people, and yeah. this is how they navigate, right? Yeah. And if I was to take you to Brazil with me on spring break, I would say, hey, when we get there, this is what you need to understand about the people in Brazil. Because you can't bring your American way into their way. You need to understand their context and see how you can help and facilitate within the context there. I want to know the people of the Bible. I want to know the people of the Hebrew Scriptures. I want to know the time of Jesus. I want to know what they were seeing, what they were thinking, what they were hearing, that I wouldn't see or hear in 2023 today. Now, I'm gonna, not everybody's going to study it that way, but I'm going to study it as much as I can to help you understand it. And so when you get to that place and you begin to see the scriptures, they come to life differently because Jesus is calling his disciples. If you understand the education system, they're young men at best. Some might say old boys, depending on how you look at mm. kids, right? Like in Genesis, we say, our students are not the oldest children in the church. They're the youngest adults. Why do we say that? Because we want our students to learn and understand we see you as young adults. We expect you to live as young adults, and we will raise the bar in your life spiritually as young adults. We're not going to pamper and cater to you as just older children. Yeah. However, if they're choosing their rabbi and following him according to the education system, that's happening somewhere around the age of 16, 17, 18, 19, 
we we know that Peter's the only one that was married. However, married didn't mean you were old. You got married at like 18 <laughs> on average during this time and context. So these are young, late high school, early college age guys. That's what disciples were. This is, this is what you did. You took young people to teach them a new interpretation. You want to know how we know this in Scripture? Jesus says these words, you do not take new wine and stick it in old wineskins. Right? Because we don't, go, we don't go grab older people who are set in their ways. We go grab younger people that want to absorb this and one day do this. Mm. Right? And wow. so that's the beauty. That's culturally. Who are they attacking right now? Who are they attacking in our culture? Our children. So when people are like, well, that's indoctrination. Yes, it is. <laughs> there's, there's no reason to try to argue that. Yes, it is. Yeah. The same way the world is indoctrinating our kids going all the way down to kindergarten, first, second, third grade with, with sex in classrooms and gender ideology and all that. They're trying to put a new wine, new ideology in new wineskins, young, young people. Rabbis did the same thing. And Jesus chooses these young fishermen. So when you hear the word fishermen, they're now old. And they're working with their dad, James and John, you know, later in the next passage. And as we said yesterday, when you know that the education system would have said, hey, if you're not good enough, go do your father's trade. If they're fishermen, what does that piece of the story already tell us? Mm. Wow. So they... Matthew 4, 20 through 22, immediately they left their nets. Jesus calls them, hey, follow me. They leave their nets and follow him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and in the boat with, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them as well. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You said a question here. Why would these guys leave their family trade and their father? So the, the, the cultural understanding has to come into play here. Because for every parent or mother, <laughs> you know, mama bear who doesn't want to let their kids go off too far, the greatest honor was for your child to be selected by a teacher and rabbi. That wow. was a great honor. And so, therefore, if the opportunity arises, first and foremost, that shows you the, the importance of it. Immediately, you would drop your nets because what they're offering is, is what we believe is the most honorable thing, to go learn and study from a rabbi. Yeah, yeah, drop your nets, go. This guy's calling you right now, go. The other side of that is, this is what's really cool, and we didn't talk about this at all yesterday, the relationship between a rabbi and their student was what they truly understood in culture as a father-son. That's how they saw it. This is now your spiritual father. You and I talk about this. Like we've had spiritual fathers in our life that have, you know, I have a great biological earthly father who's also a pastor and has guided me spiritually, but I have other spiritual fathers that from the, for most of my life have spoken into me, guided me, taught me, shown me how to do things. And so when you talk about a village, I have a spiritual village of people in my life. The crazy part is this. Listen to this. You, now, you wouldn't know this, but, but pay attention to this. It was such a strong bond and picture that they had this saying during their time, this understanding that if your father, your biological father, and your spiritual father both needed to be rescued at the same time, and you could only rescue one. You would rescue your spiritual father. Now, everyone listening, especially in 2023, would be like, that doesn't make sense, right? And then they would say this, your earthly father brought you into this world, but your spiritual father takes you into the world to come. Think of how profound that is. Right? So while it doesn't mean let your dad die and choose this one, hmm. what it was showing in picture form was how important this person is in your life, how much they're going to be in your life, the role they're going to play. They're going to be like a dad, a father to you, and you're going to be like a son. So they're going to care for you and nurture you, but they're also going to rebuke you, correct you. They're going to train you. They're going to shape you. And as a dad, 
If you were not a rabbi, you wanted your son to go do this. And so once again, back to sports analogies, how many dads want their sons to go be under this coach, to be shaped by him, to be trained by him, to, to learn how to weight lift in his program, to, to learn his schemes or whatever, so that he can grow up in this guy's. That's how it was back then when it came to the word of God. Wow. So of course they drop their nets immediately because it's a high honor. Secondly, they don't get stopped. James and John's dad doesn't stop them because he knows his role. I brought you into this world. I've been raising you, but this guy's going to teach you everything about the world to come. Eternity, heaven, go. Go be with him right now. I want you in his school. That's how they saw this. So it answers all these questions when you're like, why would these guys just drop their nets to some guy who just walked up on the sea, sea yeah, line yeah. and said, come, uh, come follow me. And why wouldn't their dad be like, hey, boys, come back here. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing running away? Yeah. And, and leave the family why would he business. be happy about it? Yeah. So like it answers all of that stuff. Yeah, no, that's, and I've always interpreted that. You know, I've always, like I said earlier, when we started this, you know, my, my thought process was always how, how, how in the world do they just like, leave this guy like you know a random for me at least reading a stranger so to say you know as i've learned you know in my years now jesus was now building rapport people knew who he was uh and so they understood what was happening here with them and so it wasn't this random it wasn't as random as we as i thought it was where just jesus shows up out of nowhere and here you go, come, come with me. And they're just like enlightened and, you know, and just like, you Jesus know, hypnotized. Yeah. And they're like, let's, of let's, of course we'll follow yeah. him. He's got a white robe on and his beautiful He sash. looks amazing. Yeah. He looks European and Scandinavian, <laughs> yeah. which he's not, he's Jewish. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so like we paint it in the wrong Yes, you, we do. We I do. think watching The Chosen is awesome. Yeah. Because they do such a good job in story form, you know, and I, I'm, I'm thinking back and, you know, I was telling someone yesterday that there's the moment where he calls them and in the chosen episode, the, the father Zebedee is like l with them and Andrew to Peter. And they're like, they're excited. They're like, this is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. Mm. Why wouldn't you go follow him right now? Like, so it's not just that it's a rabbi. So let's take that first. Like, I'm not diminishing Jesus. We're just giving you the cultural piece of it. This would happen for almost any rabbi if you hadn't been selected. However, they also have heard John the Baptist has been declaring yeah. there's a buzz all around because this guy has shown up and what happened at his baptism, this is the Messiah. So this isn't just a rabbi. This is the one. This is totally different. Drop everything you're doing. And now we're back to symmetry. When God starts his faithful promise with Israel, he chooses whom? Who's the forefather of our faith? Abraham. And what does, what does the beginning of Genesis 12 tell us? God came to Abraham and said, go. And he just went. He left everything, home, family, everything he knew, and he went. Jesus shows up, and he says, come follow me. I got a mission for you, a purpose. And they drop everything immediately. So there's something about obedience wow. in all of this. As a disciple, we have to start to hone in on. This is what we, we're now heading towards that I want people to start to think about. We're moving from belief to follow. Mm. It's been about discipleship, and it will be about discipleship. You want to be, you want to say you follow Jesus, yep. then you're claiming to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. Now that becomes really important as to what that looks like in your life. Yep. Are you really being discipled by him? Because this is what discipleship looked like. This is what was happening. And we know this all throughout scriptures. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus when he enters his house. And Martha is in the kitchen cleaning. Now, they're both actually contextually doing something great. So one is not better than the other. That's, yeah. I, I, that's, not a, that's another lesson yeah. for another day. We, we've, we've studied that together. But it does say that Mary is doing the more honorable thing. Why is it more honorable? Because she's sitting at the feet of a teacher. He's a rabbi. He's entered their house. He's teaching. And you want to go sit at the feet of that teacher. Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, says himself in Acts 22, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, which is a, a rabbi, a teacher. He tells you, I was his disciple. I sat at his feet and learned from him. Mm. 
That's where I came from. That's why he's so, his interpretation is the Christians are messing up our religion. So he wants <laughs> to go put them in jail. It's a passion to protect the religion he was being taught. Wow. Then he encounters Jesus and disrupts his life. That's a whole nother freaking sermon. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's super good. It's good. But this is, I love where you were just kind of going into where we've gone into this, you know, teaching. We've, we've brought in these, these central figures. We've, we've, we've learned a lot, right? And we're still learning. But now I think there's a, there's a there there's a transitional point happening here as we're going through the never ending story and it's that we're going from learning to doing right yeah. going from learning to becoming to doing right there's a shift happening and and we're seeing that and we're challenging our people here at Genesis like now as you're learning how to become a disciple how how is how does that look in your life and so you know, we're opening up group life uh, opportunities this season for you to have that opportunity to grow yourself as, as a disciple of Jesus, to learn, to grow in community, uh, and for others to be able to, to give in part. Uh, we're challenging our people to serve. How can you give, right? Because we, 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 our value our, our, our mission here in Genesis is, is, is not to fill seats, but to see people in mission and people, people giving of themselves. That is what we hold uh, most in value. And so, like, now it's really like you've learned, you've yeah. had your appetizer, yep. your lunch. You know, now it's time to, to give what, what God has no given There's greater, no greater picture. There, there really isn't in our time. In, in, in our lifetime, I would say this, than Karate Kid. <laughs> that is, in essence, exactly what you're saying. You know, he shows up, his per se, his rabbi, his sensei, yeah. Mr. Miyagi, he wants to learn everything from, teach me, teach me, teach me. I want, he sees him one day, I want to do what you do, right? What does he make him do? Wax cars, paint fences, sand decks, and all of a sudden he gets all upset. When am I going to fight? When am I going to learn to fight? When am I going to learn to defend myself? When am I going to use all this? You got me waxing cars and, and sanding decks and, and painting fences. When, when, when? And all of a sudden he just yells, Danielson! <laughs> and all of a sudden he like props up because that's what you do. You honor and you respect your teacher, right? And he says, show me wax on. And he like, gets ready to, and he stops him, and he shows him where his hand should be. And then all of a sudden, he goes to punch his student. Mm. And just human second nature, muscle memory, that's what it is, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, he blocks it, but he blocks it in the motion of wax on. And then he goes to kick him, and he blocks him in the motion of wax off. And all of a sudden, his mind is illuminated. Everything he's been teaching me has been for a reason. And now I get to put it into practice. Mm. That is what we're doing. Everything we're learning is going to be put into practice. So we're calling people all the time, come do this with us. That's my job. That's my role as a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I have to be looking behind me telling other people, come follow me as I follow Christ. So come with us to Straight Street. We don't say go to Straight Street. We say come with us. Come with other people. Come with us on a missions trip. We make sure that on every missions trip, there's a pastor. So that the people going get to be with the pastor, see what he does, what he's learned, what he's experienced, how he interacts with the people, how he navigates in that setting, so that they're learning along the way with them. Group life. We're going to show you how to do group life. We're going to invite you to lead group life. And then group life leaders, we're asking you to raise up the next disciple in your group to go do group life down the road. This is multiplication. This is reproducing. This is the gospel of Jesus. This wow. is what discipleship is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said, man, for a disciple, Sunday is the beginning of the week, not the end of the week. This is the beginning. It's the beginning of, it's the start. It's, it's, uh, reconfiguring everything, recharging the batteries. Everything starts on a Sunday. Getting your word, getting time and com communion with fellowship, with your people, 
um, in God, in his presence, in rest, it begins on Sunday. And that's what kickstart the momentum of your, of your week. We're at three services. People have been asking like the 815, is it killing you? <laughs> and I'm like, actually, I'm like, it's starting to, because it's taken a few months just to adapt to three services. I'm starting to look forward to it and really enjoy it because it just kicks the whole day off. Now, by the third service, I feel like I don't know what I'm saying sometimes. <laughs> My mouth is just blah. <laughs> um, at the same time, because we're there. We're, we've been on the facility, in the facility, on its grounds f- for the last few years. We get there at 7 a.m. in the morning. So instead of the band keep practicing or we're just fine-tuning some things on the campus, mm-hmm. waiting for people to arrive, let's go ahead and start with the people that are showing up. And when you make that shift in your mind and in your head, that Sunday is the beginning of the week. Now, this is not, we're not talking about Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. And we're just talking about the way that we gather as a body, you know, a congregation, as a church, that it is the beginning of the week. It's not the end. You don't come limping in and your mindset shouldn't be, let me just get this done with so I can go watch football. And then tomorrow I'll reset everything on Monday morning and I'll get started. Yeah. If you would make that small shift in your life, that Sunday's the beginning of the week. That's why it's important. I go gather with other believers. I want to sit at the feet of those teaching. I want to worship. I want to learn. I want to be empowered and equipped so that I can go out because Monday morning work starts. So I need that spiritual equipping in my life to begin my week. And then you can come back on Tuesday and you can listen to the podcast because a day and a half, two days in, we're coming right back with more content to help carry you along the way because you're going to get to Friday or Saturday and you're going to be a little depleted and you're going to be worn down and a curveball is going to come and something's going to knock you off your feet. And so you come back on Sunday and you hit reset. You don't wait till Monday at your job. No one wants to reset their week at work. I reset my week with Jesus Mm. and my church and I start from there and I go forward. Yeah, that's good, man. And, and, and and that's a different way of thinking. And I think many people are listening to this today really have to attack things that way. Um, because that'll set the tone for the rest of your week and how that's going to look. But discipleship is about following Jesus flat out. And if you're not following Jesus, you are following somebody. We're all, as you said in the next in their next slide here, which was fantastic, let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet. We all are being covered by something, right? We all are following someone. We all have, there's an influence in our life. And if it's not Christ, then my question to you is, what is it? Is it is, are you being covered in the dust of our rabbi Jesus? When I learned this, like I said, 18 years ago, that was the part that knocked me off my feet. Mm. I'm talking about feet, but not to be redundant. Like it literally kicked me back because a student would follow their rabbi so closely that the dust from the roads they walked on would kick up on them. And it was like a badge of honor to have the dust of your rabbi on your clothes. It showed who got closest to the rabbi and the teacher that day. And so the closer you were, the more obviously you saw or heard. Mm. And, you know, instead of being third or fourth back in the line, um, connection point, Jesus tells his disciples, go into the towns, take the gospel with you. And if they don't accept you, what does he tell them? Dust off your feet and go to the next town, right? Don't let your dust and cover stay there. Wow. Right? So that brings new light to that passage of scripture, right? Like your dust and, and, and your powder matter where it gets kicked up. And if they don't want it, take it to the next town that does, which then I think, I think it frees people up to stop chasing down people who don't want to hear about <laughs> Jesus. That Hate doesn't you, take bro. away the power and the passion of yeah. the gospel. Yeah. I want everyone to know it, but I don't have to chase you down. You have to choose this. So and good. if you reject this, I'm going to the people that do or yeah. want to, but you get this dust on you. And then to hear that they had this saying in the Mishnah, which is written around second century BC. So it's a collection of the rabbis interpretations, the oral interpretations. Jerusalem gets destroyed in uh, 70 AD 
And so they lose a lot of stuff. And so now they have to memorize it and then they have to teach it. Well, this is how I would live out what I know because we don't have scrolls around. They got burned or they got lost in the destruction of the city. And so they, they wrote the mission of which is how are we going to take the concepts of the Bible and live them out? And so you get this saying where they say, open your homes to the rabbis, let them come in. Don't close your home off to that. Like mm. that's a high honor to have them come sit in your home and speak the words of God. And then to be covered in, in their, or powdered is the real word. You know, so you think of LeBron James blowing his powder out of his hands, you know, and everybody loves that moment. Over. Let his powder cover you and fall upon you wherever you go. And so they come up with the saying, you know, this, this, this blessing slash challenge of may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Mm. And you're like, that, that's one of the best, that's one of the best sayings I've ever heard that makes me consistently think about how close am I to Jesus, that I'm being covered in his dust. Mm. Do people know that? And then as you just said, I think the profound question is, if you're not following Jesus, you're following somebody. So whose or what dust are you covered in? Yeah. People will know that. They will know it. They will sense it. They will see it. It's no different than we know if you're a smoker because you smell like smoke. We know if you are an, we know animal lovers because if they have a lot, they can sometimes smell like an animal, you know, because, and they don't know it. You're covered in something that you spend your most time, most of your time with. Yeah. And it's a challenge to be covered in the dust of Jesus that I spend as much time as a disciple with my teacher, my rabbi, my master, my father, as his spiritual son, learning and then doing. My goal is to do what Jesus did, not just to know what Jesus did, to do what Jesus did. Yeah. And therefore, I want people that come along me to know that I have the dust of Jesus on me. Mm. So good, man. And listen, at the end of the day, we, can't, we don't do the saving. We can't save people. All we could do is spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then God does the rest. And so that's what he clearly told his disciples. Hey, if you, they don't receive your message, move forward. So I think, you know, for someone listening, be free from that. You know, I think, I think we, yeah, they'll don't lose the compassion for, for people. And we're constantly. Don't um, stop praying. No, don't stop. Be the light of Jesus. Be you you could be the only person to Jesus that that person will ever encounter. Um, and so continue. Um, but don't let the burden of, of trying to save this individual or this family uh, overcome you to the point that you're not letting God do what he supernaturally can do. And so um, that's powerful, man. I love that. Yeah. I love that proximity is, is everything. And so. Yeah, so this week for anybody listening or watching, like wherever you spend your most, the most of your time and whoever you spend the most of your time with, that's what you value. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be dusted by them mm. and by that. That's true. And I've had, I've had friends that, I can tell in their work environment who they hang around because I can tell how they act and the words that they choose to speak and the jokes they decide to tell by the fact that they've been hanging around that group or that, that those people just a little too much. It's now they're now starting to, to carry their dust. And so this week, you know, the challenge would be how do I take this and look at these fishermen that dropped everything to go follow Jesus with everything they got yeah. and, and mimic that. Out, yeah. And spend time with exactly. Jesus and ask myself, come Friday and Saturday, when the week is going on and yeah. it's gotten harder and tougher, how much dust did I collect this week from Jesus? And then Sunday arrives and I'm coming back to be filled back up so that I can go back out again. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Woo! Episode 35 is in the books. This is good, man. Hurricane. I, we, we probably could have uh, continued to drop about another hour of content here. This, this we went about 120 going. miles an hour. We could keep going. It just it connects. <laughs> Here's the thing. It, the Bible gets exciting when you're going, oh, ah. Yeah, yeah. What? Like, oh, my sudden, gosh, now it makes does. Sense. Now I get it. Yeah. Like, you should see. Like, I'm, I'm seeing that in a lot of people, the connecting of the dots. And, you know, in my home, my wife is just like, it's like just connecting one to the other. It's like, it's making sense. It's coming to life. It's great. I, I can't wait to share this uh, analogy with my, my children and just the, how this uh, influences in life, people, the influences of people in your life, uh, how that 
is um is a comes into play with with what we've been we talking about. We say who about, you so. hang around is who you become. Yeah, exactly. Why? Because you collect their dust. Yes, <laughs> you collect their dirt. Like it's it, it works perfectly. Yeah, man. And so who you're around, I'm gonna know by the dust in your that's yeah, on your life. Yeah. So um we 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 gonna be dusty. Let's get dusty. Let's get dusty. Let's get dirty. Let's get dusty. Woo, I'm excited, man. This is good stuff. I hope you guys received it. Hope you guys were blessed by it. Um, man, great, great, great content. And so uh, episode 35, please check us out on all social media platforms. Post Sunday podcast. You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on X. You can find us on um, Instagram as well. And, and while you're in there, if you can, please send us some questions. Anything that you got uh, that has just really uh, been a challenge for you or uh, you need some clarity, we're going to do our best to, to, to bring some answers, to bring some resources for you that will help um, you out. And so send those over. You can also email us at postsundaypodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, and thank you again, man. Thank you. And if you are following us on YouTube or following us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, please give us a rating. Give us a comment on, on those. That really helps just bring awareness to the podcast. Uh, like and subscribe us on YouTube and just do the whole nine. Be a part of everything that we're doing. Uh, but we're excited. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. We cannot wait to see you back next week as Pastor Tim takes the reign uh, into uh, takes my spot here in the seat in the chair post Sunday podcast. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the post Sunday podcast presented by Genesis church, a place to go further, discover more and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.